and then this button and then this button nope this one sit in your seat all you listener sit in sit on your rump and listen bequeath to us your attention for surely you have died and gone to the heaven of depravity but hark who be that be that joe yes joe be that my mother from another mother but saying grandmother our trio is complete the j the b and the c welcome to the most poeticalistic-ish episode we have ever produced, Ed. Marvel, as we have our way with Calliope in a Times New Roman 11-point font. And know this, all you listener, tis not heaven, nor hell, nor red-headed stepchild purgatory. Nay, tis but the folly of dreaming where now ye dwell. What a load of shit. <laughs> Love it. It's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> yeah, mm. so uh, let's talk about poetry. You ever write poems, Joe? Yeah, I've I've written many poems. Um, let me tell you. Poetry is something that I used to do a lot when I was a teenager. Sure. I feel like maybe I would get something out of it now if i did it more often you think so okay when i was when i was a lyricist for a a band well a couple different bands writing songs those were really just poems i consider the lyrics to songs just poems hmm. put to music anyway that's what yeah. it seemed to me I, f I felt like i was just writing poetry you know yeah poetry so what uh, is poetry poetry I feel like, hey, have you ever have you ever heard of? Uh, well, are you familiar with Mellow Gold by Beck? Um, no. It's it's a uh, it's a Beck album. Yeah. I would I would consider it a, a masterpiece. You okay. ever heard Nightmare Hippie Girl before? No. Should I look it up real quick? Play a few notes. Sure. Yeah, you can do that. Okay. But whenever I think of poetry, I think of a line from that song because I think when I was a teenager, I mostly wrote bogus poetry. And okay. the song Nightmare Hippie Girl is a very 90s thing. I don't know if you remember. We just had a show about the 90s. But the the idea of a Nightmare Hippie Girl in the 90s was... That was real, man. That was really happening. Nightmare Hippie Girls. And I went to college in Boulder. They were fucking everywhere. Is this... Oh, yeah. I think it is. Okay, I'll... I'll Look at that later. I see, well, I was going to say, I see these lyrics as being poetical, especially since he's not really, you know, carrying a, a melody. He's just sort of, duh, 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 right? He's just, yeah, that, which is that's fine. what I think is funny about it. And he, he's basically just spouting off descriptions of your stereotypical nightmare hippie girl. And he says really funny things like, like, she's eating salad for breakfast. <laughs> She's got tofu the size of Texas. <laughs> She's playing footsie in another dimension. You know? Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he says, she, yeah, and then he goes, She's writing nightmare bogus poetry. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think of bogus poetry. I, I think of my poetry as a teenager uh -huh. when I was into Nightmare Hippie Girls. 
it's arguable that I lost my virginity to a nightmare hippie girl. Yeah, okay. All right. Did she eat salad for breakfast, like, the next she day? She ate salad for breakfast. I think we've talked she about... tofu the size of Texas. I think we've talked about um, Beck before in his way with Lloyd's. Um, I'm sure... I'm On sure. one of my favorite episodes, Jason, you went into this thing where you were talking about the best person to play Beck in the Beck movie would be Michael Sarah. And then I believe that you went into some bizarre, really funny description <laughs> of Michael Sarah playing chess with Beck or something like that. I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cite the name of the episode before the end of this episode, so uh, our listener can go back and listen to that very funny episode where we talked about Beck and we talked about Prince. Wait, was it Prince playing chess with Beck? <laughs> Do you remember so. any of this? No, not really. I do the think Michael Sarah, yeah, I'm a, or that, but yeah, no. And you were doing Michael Sarah impersonations throughout the episode, okay. and they were good. Oh, I don't know you. if you can yeah. still do that, or if that was a one. Well, you know, I can. Fluke, but, I mean, uh, if you want me, to, I can sort it. I got to really. I mean, just. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so poetry, yeah. I bet if if Beck, I bet if you go to Beck's house or whatever he lives in, is his yurt. Um, I bet you would find notebooks with poetry, and you know, you know, he could probably, if he wanted to, he could publish them. He could call up Random House and say, "Hey, I'm Beck. I wrote some poems." There you go, and they would they would publish it. Boom. But um, but I feel like a lot of Beck's lyrics are kind of just. I think they're really just one good. They're it's like a series of great one-liners, mm-hmm. and, and but you put them all together, and it's kind of like absurdist poetry, you know. Forces of evil in a bozo nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing oh, that well, I, he said, he's like, "Quit my job, blowing leaves, telephone <laughs> bills up my sleeves, choking like a one-man dust ball." <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Here's what I was sort of gonna getting at, though, is that. Um, he hasn't done that, um, and for I think ninety nine percent of the people who write poetry, it's deeply personal, right? Yes. Um, yes. There's another avenue we could go. So you could go down talk about why poetry is personal, or we go down this other avenue, which is um, if you know Beck did say, "Hey, here's some poems." They would publish them, and people would buy them in the bookstore, and uh, because he's Beck, but not because they buy books of poems there are people who like poetry and they go to bookstores to find poetry um mm-hmm. but they don't buy enough books to make it a bestseller right right poetry and they is probably not... wouldn't just go buy a beck poetry book like people that are that are expressly into poetry maybe even like the history of poetry right. and, and the greats when it comes yeah. to that craft and that art form they wouldn't just be like, oh, Beck's new book of poetry. I'm going to go check that out. They'd be like, Psha. Well, I'm sure there are some snobby snobbies out there, but I bet there would be some that would say, you know, I don't know. See, that's what I'm getting at. My approach to poetry and your approach to poetry, 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 my approach to poetry. Um, mm. Is it a personal approach or is it something that you, like when you're writing fiction, Joe, are you, are you ever thinking, this is great, and I'm never going to show it to anybody? Or is there always a little party that's like, I wonder what would happen if somebody saw this? The idea of, of sharing, as I'm 
making stuff up mm-hmm. as I'm being creative, it always occurs to me. Uh, eventually, it occurs to me like, oh, this would be fun to to share this with yeah. somebody else, especially if I like what I'm doing. Now, well, here's what I was going to get when at. When you talk and about then, bogus oh. poetry, like, I, I, and when I was a teenager, it's funny because I would start writing poetry, especially at the beginning. I'd be like, oh my god, this is a turd, and I'd crumble it up, throw it away. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted people to see that. But it's funny what made it through <laughs> the vetting process yeah. because a lot of that was real shit too. So. Interesting. Well, here's what I'm getting at about, you know, if you're writing and you're thinking someone might read this, that will influence the words you choose. You might change it because you don't want um, somebody to know something that you think is either wrong or it's not deep enough or, you know, it's crass, whatever, right? But if you're writing poetry, ostensibly, um, if you're writing poetry for yourself, ostensibly, you're going to, like say things that you never want anyone else to read. But then the poem would be, in that sense, I think, more authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 If that's what a poem is. Is a poem something that's always going to be deeply personal? Or could, say, for example, um, could I write a poem from the point of view of a woman? I'm not a woman. Um, or and, And I'm not trying to be like, what's the word when you steal from somebody else's culture? Appropriating? Appropriation? Don't know. What's it called? Yeah, that's it. Cultural appropriation. So I'm not trying to steal from women like I can write what it's like to be a woman better than you. No. It's just that this thing I wrote, the character had me woman. So is that allowed or is poetry supposed to be personal and, and I'm being very inauthentic when I do that? You mean writing from a perspective of an identity that that you're not familiar with that that you've never inhabited do you yeah. feel that is that inauthentic yeah um hmm how about this you... I, I mean I, I have thoughts about that uh, to, well, to, let's hear to say is it in inauthentic yes or no um I, I i'm not really sure how to answer that i think in some ways yeah it's inauthentic but i also see nothing wrong at all with people trying to like reach out with their consciousness and kind of imagine other people's perspectives mm-hmm. and then tr- maybe trying to express express that identity through their imagination of it sure. I don't see anything I don't see anything wrong with that but certainly but. if if poetry is all about the imagery it's all about capturing a a an emotion at a moment if it's all about you know stripping away all the uh a poem is sort of like if you look at a, a a piece of stone and you say, okay, someone can sculpt that down to you know a, a figure. If you can see that figure in there, then you're you know you know you you might be a great sculptor. And I think that a poem is like that. It's like somebody sees something and says, I'm going to strip away all the unnecessary marble, and what's left will be the poem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that analogy before. So from that perspective, if I were to write a poem, I'm going to make an argument for it. If I were to write a poem from a woman's perspective, Mm. or let me put it this way. If a woman writes a poem and it's about being a woman and another woman reads it, there's going to be some communication between them that I'm not privy to, right? Uh, The emotions that they may both have, the way society treats them, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, you may or may not be. There's right. a, there's a there's a chance that there's a probability that that you will not be privy right. to some of the emotional communication. Right. Perhaps. Go ahead. So, so I write a poem from a woman's point of view, and a woman reads it, and she may see a thing and say he did that wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, like no woman would think that, feel that, say that, whatever. As that's not a woman thing. You know, he's attributing to us things that we don't do. Right, whatever. Sure, that might be the case. That's but also presumptuous because then that assumes that that woman knows how all other women feel. No, I don't mean. I don't. I. I. I, I did couch just it. Just throw that in there. No, no, you're absolutely right. I did couch it in terms of it being over the top. I'm talking about something s- subliminal, sort of. Ah. You know, sort of like you know, here's a here's here's a poem about uh, how I want to rape ducks and and like I'm I'm a good old girl and I want to rape ducks and like women are reading this going I just don't it doesn't feel like a woman wrote this you know. Right, I I just pictured a huge auditorium <laughs> filled with women, and the poem about raping ducks it, like <laughs> is echoing off of the walls. It just got done, like somebody just got done reading it, <laughs> and they said, "Of you, this group of women, thousands of women, how many of you can relate to this?" <laughs> and then one hand raises up, mm-hmm. and then the camera zooms in on that one woman. And it is you in drag, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Go ahead. I cut you off. No, 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 no. That's funny. It's like um, a fucking Monty Python image. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm suggesting that instead of it being that I got it wrong, the take could be, oh, this is what a, not all men, but a man saw. I, I don't see it like that. I don't see... Doing that to ducks as something a woman would do, but he's putting it out there, and there so there must be some point of view about women that I, as a woman, am not privy to because I'm a woman, right? So he sees it from the outside. I don't know what the outside looks like. I'm a, I'm a woman. I only know what it looks like from the inside, right? Mm. I, I don't know if that's if that's if that's really defensible because obviously there's more than one woman in the world, and she can see how other women are, right? But I'm trying to go off of that that innate thing that when you write and think about who might be reading it that 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 feeling of connection that you feel that would be necessary for the poem to strike at all and if that Ah. if that connection can somehow be uh re reframed that might be even more evocative of a particular emotion that's my defense of writing a poem as a woman which i did and which i will read uh later when, when we're all ready yeah well, I also want to say I, I don't I don't think it's anything that needs to be defended. I mean, it, d- d- how many? By the way, how many novelists? Have, if if you're a novelist, do you just avoid writing characters that aren't exactly your collection of identities as an author? And then, right. if you even try, then that's some sort of problem. Right. That's that's overly restrictive. That's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a is a problem. So, right. and that's and and certainly there are human adventures. At least I think there are that have nothing to do with one's gender. Both micro adventures that happen over the course of a few sure. seconds. You know, like falling down and being embarrassed. That's universal. It doesn't matter what your gender are. If you were going to tell a story and you were trying to feature the shame, or you write a poem and you're trying to feature the shame one felt uh, of being laughed at, it really doesn't matter whether you make some implicit reference to masculinity or femininity. It doesn't matter. You're just painting the scene, right? 
Yeah, but don't you think it's possible? And I, th- I think this probably has happened. I can't give you an example, but just given how much beautiful writing there has been and, and how it has affected so many people in so many different directions, don't you think that there's been an author who just due to their their immense capability to empathize and their own knowledge of the women in their life, just as an example, like a man writing, a man writing for a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And they are able to capture in their writing because of their skill and creativity as a writer, they're able to capture something about the female experience mm-hmm. that another woman then picks up on and is, is touched and inspired by. Right. And uh, with regard to something they've read in a female character from, from some male author. Sure. Certainly. Does that all make sense? I didn't yeah, mean to yeah, spin yeah. around too much with that. No. I, and I think, you know, at the level of a, of a novel, um, novels, uh, I think, are better when they're grotesquely not personal, like as far away from you as possible. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I do like that. Yeah. I prefer that as well. I mean, autobi- autobiographical fiction um, is all well and good, and some of it is amazing. But um, when I want to, when I want to read, I want to see imagination go going nuts. So I guess the good autobiographical fiction is the one where it takes something that is, you know, personal, and then and then reimages it to be, uh, I don't know, awesome or whatever. And that that would be a gift, you know. Um, Nicholson Baker wrote a, a book about a guy going up um, a flight of uh, going up an escalator from one floor to another. That's the whole novel. It's just him going up that escalator right but it's fascinating because of what he did with it um so yeah at the novelist level i think that's fine but at the poetic level so you you said and i liked what you said you said capture right um Mm -hmm. but capture is not the same as create it's sort of the opposite and a poem that captures a particular emotion or thought or whatever uh can be worded however it is um and it's going to be from the perspective of the person who you know, saw it or ate it or smelled it or stuck it up his butt or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But if the poem is supposed to be merely creative, it's like, let's see what we can do with this thing. Well, then gender shouldn't really shouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. I also I want to say, though, that c- capturing and creating, there's a lot of overlap there. Mm. Absolutely. Because 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 a poet will is, is, is interpreting and therefore creating what has mm-hmm. been captured, right? It's like, I see her luscious boobs and they remind me of melons. Melons is spelled right. the same, with the same letters as lemons, which describe how big my balls are. Mm-hmm. When, <laughs> how big my balls were when I went up to talk Great to her, example. right? Right? And so it's like, uh, that happened, but I added stuff to it to make it interesting for you because if you, you know, if you if if you if I told you, hey, I'm proud of myself because I talk to a woman with big boobs, normally that sort of thing scares me. You'd be like, oh, that's great, Jason. I appreciate you telling me that. Really, I do. So uh, anyway, and then the conversation goes on. But if I say, you know, the the melons and the lemons and the balls and the boobs, then you're like, oh, hey, that's something for me. I guess writing that down: the melons, the lemons, the balls, <laughs> and the boobs. <laughs> That's just really good. By the way, that would be a great way to start a poem. Probably. Yeah, but um, for all that, and I know I'm not dominating the conversation. It's not silly enough. I want to be silly. But for all that, I, I got to be honest with you. I just don't get 
poetry, 99.9% of what I read, I go, okay. You know, I mean, I would almost be like, I'm doing an experiment. I'm going to rate, my child will never read a poem. I will give him things that were written as poems, but I've taken out all the line breaks. And let's see if he has a completely different experience from everyone else, right? Well, you know. <laughs> I think you didn't like that idea. No, no, I'm I'm locked up on the I'm getting the sense that that you appreciate poetry but but I'm trying to wrap my head around because I feel like there's there's something about poetry in particular and that that you you have disdain for it. I kind of do. I kind of do. There is a part of me it's probably from a a, a place of uh abject insecurity. Um, a little bit of imposter syndrome and a variety of other dysfunctions uh, that makes me say, oh, people put more into poetry than there really is. They're making more out of it than it really is. They're they're running a con on you, right? It's, uh, mm. you know, like, okay, here, I'm going to... I've I'll, definitely I'll... heard poems like that. I mean, yeah. I, you're describing some poetry, definitely. Right. Shit, maybe most of it. <laughs> well, I think if, you know, if somebody writes a poem and somebody else says, this is genius... Uh, they may be right for them, and that's that's good. There's nothing wrong wrong with that. But then you institutionalize it, and you start to teach it, and you say, hey, you, this is a great poem. This is what a great poem is. And the person says, okay, I've learned that now. So now when I write a poem, if I want it to be great, it's got to be, you know, it's got to fit in with all this other stuff. Or it's got to break ground in such a way as to show how well I understand, you know, where it would have fit in. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay. I, I, I just fear that, or not fear, but I feel that uh, somebody throws down a poem and either it's really personal or it's accomplishing something for the writer, the the publisher, um, the bookstore owner that has nothing to do with me. And me reading it is as useful as, you know, it, it'd be like if, if every day on my way to work, I, there's this one bookstore I... I go, I open the door, I walk in, I turn around, I walk out. I do that every day. That's pointless. It's stupid. It's it's even a little bit, you know, of a, of a nuisance. And I think sometimes reading a poem feels like that. Like, it's like, well, what did I do? What, what happened? <laughs> right? I didn't get anything out of this. You didn't get anything out of me reading it. I, you, I, I'm holding a copy of a book that should be in somebody who wants its hands. And, uh. Yeah, so that's... I just realized why maybe I was more into the concept of of poetry when I was way younger because mm -hmm. I really I thought if if a if a poem could evoke I think I was looking for emotions like sadness and and anger lo loneliness you know to to be misunderstood that type of thing um, angst you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these are the and these these are things that I'm not much into expressing anymore. The, the, I, I had a fascination with these things, sure. And even like, well, you know, you've heard a lot of my music, especially you know, again when I was way younger, the music leaned toward trying to evoke. I was fascinated with with really sad music, mm -hmm. you know, really emotionally weighty stuff about loss and um, you know, confusion longing that type of shit and i think when i was a teen <laughs> that type of shit <laughs> completely <laughs> dismissing it that's what it is <laughs> well it's it's not that 
anyway, I don't want to be dismissive of those emotions. I just I feel right. like I spent a lot of time, like almost like reveling in it, uh, mm-hmm. wallowing in it, even. Right. But I th- I'll even listen back to some of the sad songs that I've recorded with, you know, um, that I recorded with some some of the bands I was in, and still think, wow, that was a that was good. It was an effective really em- emotionally powerful thing that we yeah. did there. Well, there you go. Um, but, uh, and I think that's why I moved into kind of putting the, the sad and angry lyrics to music, because I think me just standing there awkwardly as a teenager, uh, just reciting it <laughs> didn't seem as, right. as powerful a way to express it. I don't know. No, no, I, I, I see what you're getting at. And, Again, I think that, that it's the very personal nature of poetry that maybe I am, you know, I, it might be that I'm, I'm 100% incorrect, that the reason I don't get poetry is because I'm, I'm making assumptions about where it comes from and what it's for, when really poetry is exactly the same as fiction. It's all just completely made up, and you're supposed to delight in the made-upness of it. If it happens to be a poem that a divorcee wrote about killing her husband and it features her anger, which is genuine true. So what? You don't have to know her to be uh, wowed by this, the, the creation of this idea. I, I guess. Whoops. Sorry about that. I hit my spit shield. Um, maybe. I don't know. But I, I tell you, I'll read like here. I'm going to read a poem to you now. It's short. Um, okay. And this is, I guess, very famous. Um, it's called The Red Wheelbarrow. It's by William Carlos Williams, um, who anybody who listens to this podcast who knows poetry has heard of. Here he goes. It's called The Red Wheelbarrow. <clears throat> so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain water beside the white chickens. That's it. That's the poem. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain water beside the white chickens. It's like, okay. Why is that a very, very, very famous poem? I mean, why do you think? That's what I want to know. What, well, see, what struck a chord there? What? Why was that lauded? Is there something structurally about it that was brilliant that I have no fucking clue about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I should go. I guess I should have gone um, and read up on it. Um, the website I'm on right now says this poem has a poem guide, but I'm, I'm not. I'll read that later. What I'm saying in terms of my approach, is I, I look at that and I go, "Come on," and I, and I don't want to again. I don't want to inauthenticate anybody's genuine experience. If if you know some college freshman reads that and goes, "Wow," and it changes his life, and he decides to become a poet, and he, as a result, is dirt poor and starving, but he's he's happy. Good, then that's that's wonderful. And it, I am the last asshole who should be telling him that shit isn't real. But I feel like. The reason why this is a famous poem is because the poet is famous. The reason the poet is famous is because poem is famous. You know, it's just like he happened to get that lottery ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like some wine is that way. Absolutely. So that is, I feel like the appreciation of wine gets to that level of bullshittery. Yeah. By Absolutely. the way, bullshittery, I think, is a good word, too. Since yeah. we're talking about words, throwing words around, put words into a poem. Right. Bullshittery. That should be in a poem. It is in a poem. It should be in a poem. Um, I want to switch hey, you tacks. ever heard that poem by Jim Morrison that's like about uh, about his his dick? No. Should I look it up? Uh, actually, let me see here. It's uh, Here it is. You read it. It's 
let's you know what how do you feel about just having jim morrison read it um i kind of <laughs> bad right i would kind of rather you read it because i like you okay. more than jim morrison i don't know what All do you right, think let me <laughs> let me see it's called lament okay um and it is deeply personal okay I believe. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Here, kill some time for a second, because I, okay. I brought up the recording of Jim Morrison just right. saying the poem, poem, but I'm going to look for the lyrics, and okay. I'll just read it myself. Okay. <clears throat> uh, you do that, and while you're doing that, I will talk about um, how poetry can be used to confound, confuse, and bring dismay upon your enemies. And the way you do that is, is you write a poem in such a way that it misfires constantly, whether it's meter or rhyme or uh, synecdoche or metonymy or any of that other stuff. If you look here, I'll give you an example. Um, I may have to click through some some websites myself to get there, but um, on last not last episode, but a couple episodes, we started talking about at least I started talking about these fake ass aphorisms, you know, like. Um, um uh lament for my cock sore and crucified i seek to know you acquiring soulful wisdom you can open walls of mystery strip show how to acquire death in the morning show tv death which the child absorbs Death, well, mystery, which makes me right. Slow trained, the death of my cock gives life. Forgive the poor old people who gave us entry, taught us God and the child's prayer in the night. Guitar player, ancient wise satyr, sing your ode to my cock. Caress its lament. <laughs> Stiffen and guide us, we frozen lost selves, the knowledge of cancer to speak to the heart and give the great gift, words, power, trance, this stable friend and the beast of his zoo, wild-haired chicks, women flowering in their summit, monsters of skin, each color connects to create the boat, the lament of my cock. <laughs> That's crap. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it it, it, it is. And the only reason we know about it is because Jim Morrison is famous, and and we've cynically, I've cynically ranted about how talent is meaningless in terms of why one thing is successful and another thing isn't. It isn't. That's all about being lucky, um, and that's again that's cynical, but I believe it's sort of true. But um. It, I'm sure there are people who read this and went, "Oh yeah, yeah." But then there's other people like me who are like, "That I don't, I don't care. I do not care. I the the only thing that might come out of my reading that is me writing a poem about how much I don't care about Jim Morrison's dick. Like not like I don't care. Like like you really like you tell somebody you don't care. Like somebody you know says, "Aha, I got a new car and you didn't." And you're like, "I don't care," but really you're like, "I'm gonna fuck up that car." You know, not that kind of. I don't care. It's like a genuine like like. Okay, that's what, I guess that's that's that boils it down. So much poetry I read, I go okay. You know, what I mean? it's just yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I, you know, I'm into, and I think you are too. I'm I'm into sometimes just how how bouncy and kind of phonetically fun oh, language sure. is. Yeah. And sometimes the more absurd that gets, and the more meaningless it becomes, then it's 
that's really entertaining because then there's all these random like randomly firing associations in your brain and the imagery just becomes this carnival of shit which is a lot of fun and i think beck's really good at that i mean just think of the just the song loser it's just it's coming at you and and the way that the just the way the words sound well yeah i mean lewis carroll bouncing down the hallway to you and we bounced on down the hall yeah Twas brilliant, ye slithy toes did gyre and gimble in ye wabe. It's a the wabe, but um, you know, yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. And 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 one could say that's a send up of poetry. One could say no, it's it's an authentic, um, dimin- it, it is a diminishment, but it's still authentic. You know, whatever. It's having fun. Um, again, anything. I might take delight in it. Like, I might laugh at something that the person who made it didn't think was funny, but my laughter is real. So, okay. But like I said, I, I drive down the street and there's a, there's a bookstore and I go, Oh, bookstores. I like bookstores. And I realize, Oh, it's a poetry bookstore. They sell nothing but poetry. Why would anybody ever walk in there? That's what I'm thinking. Right. But there's people going in all the time. They're paying the rent. Right. So, um, obviously this is, this is a real thing. And that's where this imposter syndrome of mine comes in. Cause I'm thinking, God, am I an idiot who's just been, playing as a kind of smart dude all this time is is poetry something so easy to get that i'm an idiot for thinking okay i don't know Hmm. a couple things i i really quickly i'd like to come to uh jim morrison's defense because to me this really is a successful and i don't know if he meant it like this but Mm -hmm. to me this is a successful comedy piece okay yeah. Because everything sounds so ham-fistedly serious, and yeah. then w- suddenly out of nowhere comes these lines about his dick, and it just may just makes me laugh like a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I was telling you, I would love to do a, a really serious presentation, PowerPoint presentation, dead serious about like cancer or something, mm-hmm. right? And then. And then you hit a button and a slide comes up and it says something fucking horrible, like just completely off topic, obscene, out of nowhere, like something like, I don't know, say something terrible, <laughs> say something terrible. Your average it- age, the average anus can stretch to the size of a person's head. There you go. So you have that just written really big on this slide and... I do something like the little laser pointer. I just kind of like dance around the words a little bit and I look out at the crowd mm-hmm. and then I go, yeah, this is pretty much uh, self-explanatory. And then I hit the clicker again and I go back into the next slide and it's back to fucking like cancer research. Yeah. Okay. And and so that's what Jim Morrison's poem is like to me. Okay. It's, it's, it's dead serious. You're supposed to be taking it seriously. Death well mystery, which makes me write slow train. The death of my cat gives me life. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but that's what I'm getting at when so I... So it's, it's a comedy to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't know if he meant it that way, but it works. Right. And and I'm... That, that it works. That's wonderful. And, and I think that... You know, if, if I'll I'll go read it, and then if I'm going to teach it in class, like I'm going to teach this poem, whatever the hell that means, I'm going to I'm going to teach this poem. I would say to them, "What's great about this poem is the only parts that are good are the parts that are bad." You know, and <laughs> the, the rest of it is 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 shit. But it's it's shit that holds up these you know dick shaped diamonds. 
I don't know what I'm going with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just real quick. <laughs> it's a good image, but you know, I'm a um, sucker. I uh, I was uh. I was just saying the way to um, defeat your enemies is to create poetry that just slightly misses the mark and that I brought up the fake-ass aphorisms. So real quick, here's an example of that. I just want to in close that part of what I was talking about. You remember I was talking about that while you're looking up the lyrics? Yeah, and I okay. totally cut you off. So okay, No, that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Bring here, it on back. Here. So I took some of these fake-ass aphorisms, you know, like the longer a baby is, it isn't, you know, that kind of thing. And I put them, squashed them together, and now it's a poem. It's here, here, here I go. Okay, right? <clears throat> Great. Okay. An anarchist holding a stop sign, throwing diamonds in the garbage, gas station wine, giving an invalid house arrest, makes as much sense as a penny cut in half. Flatulence is far too fancy a word for what it describes. <laughs> Wait, was that the last line? Yeah, that's the last line. Yeah. <laughs> Great, man. Yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Um I had I had a little exercise that I wanted to do. How are we doing on, on time here? Good question. Let's check in with we got like twenty eight, twenty two minutes. Oh, we left. still got twenty two minutes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Boy, I wanna this read some more poems. Dragging on for me. I thought we were <laughs> almost done. I'm just I'm just kidding. I yeah. had no fucking idea. Um I did have a an ad that I wanted to present. Okay. I've been presenting old ads just because I've been doing the show for years and it occurs to me that ads come in, you know, we have sponsorship uh, usually from Larco but sometimes other companies. Mm-hmm. And uh and then these ads normally are just one-offs and then you don't get to hear them again unless unless it's on one of our year-end shows where it gets presented again because it was considered outstanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, there's lots of yeah, there, there's lots of yads, lots of ads every year. And uh, I, I found this one because I knew we were going to be talking about poetry and words. That was, that was kind of the first idea. We we're going to talk about words. And one of my favorite words is fucko. Fucko's a great word. Fucko. It's just great. Yeah. I think maybe the first time I heard it was like watching Goodfellas. Probably. And, uh, Joe Pesci, you yeah. know, just busts out with it. And I was like, fucko. Ah, yeah. just so great. Especially when Joe Pesci says fucko. Right. It's just wonderful. And, uh, you know, ever since the, I think the day one of our show, we have had this sponsor, Larco. Yeah. Uh, a company that makes all sorts of different products. And, um, we have never really been particular about our sponsorship here. And, uh, and never will. And, and Larco was not particular in, in choosing us um, to do ads for their show. But there was a competitor. Of, there still is, I believe, a competitor of Larco's. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of competitors. One of them being a company called Fucko. Right. And Fucko did a bunch of products that were... <laughs> basically in spite of Larco products. <laughs> yes. And uh and there were, we we there was another company that we we did some ads for I think um uh, oh it started with an O. Okral. Ah, thank you. Okral. And uh and and so these companies which are competitors, I believe, yep. of of Larco. We went ahead and did their ads too and I really thought that for this 
episode when we're talking about words and poetry, mm-hmm. we should bring back this one-off ad that we did for the company Fucko. Okay. So let's do that, and then I have a bunch of questions to ask you about it. Okay. Let me make sure it's going to be – yeah, it'll be loud enough. And if not, I'll turn it up. Hmm. I remember Are this. you one of those people that have a clear, innate purpose? A destiny driven by talent and ever-expanding, easily acquired skill that became apparent when you were young and developed into a career that defines your identity as an adult and provides you with deep and indescribable spiritual, emotional, and interpersonal joy? Didn't think so. Hmm. You're probably like the rest of us. The only thing that brings you closer to a facsimile of fulfillment is to buy more and more stuff that you think you need, and you only seem to need new things that you don't have because novelty is the only thing you seem to need. But who decides what you're supposed to need? How are you supposed to create novel products when your dumbass isn't creative enough to be creative or create anything at all? Well, never fear. Leave the decision-making to your smartphone, and download the newest way to be forced to need the newest new stuff produced, and get it delivered right to your door. It's the Coerce Words app by Fucko. (laughs) Simply hit the Make Me Happy button, and Coerce Words will generate random words, combined randomly, yielding the name of a new random product, which you will feel pressured to desire and will immediately be manufactured from scratch and shipped to your home. Here are some examples of products generated by the Fucko factory in just the last month. iFart, an apparatus that allows your butt to imitate the flatulence of celebrities and a selection of farm animals. Sack of tape recorders, in case you need to record something in 1986. (laughs) The Godproof Upside Down Cross, for when you need to keep those pesky Jesuses away from your heart. Air Retardioke, a karaoke machine without microphones that allows you to lip-sync to instrumental versions of all your favorite songs. The Hoodie Footy, a disturbing one-piece sock pajama that covers your entire body. And the Poop Vacuum, which does exactly what you think it does. Order the Coerce Words app today, and for a small shipping and handling fee, you can also download our sex-themed software application, the Perverse Words app. With this app, you can accidentally create and own exciting products like the Death Boner Pill, a medication that softens your erection because it kills you, <laughs> Fucky Schlong Ream Time, an adult-themed songbook for kids, and the Electrocock Juggling Dongs, which are exactly what you think they are. The Coerce Words application is so good at generating random products to shoehorn a semblance of happiness into your life, you won't know whether to wither or shiver. It'll make your mind quiver as the blither and the blather rather <laughs> lathers up your brain to make you sane with a refrain to ease your pain. It's fucko, bucko, we know, you know. You've heard our hard-hitting, inhibiting coercive words like turds absurd, dropping and plopping, never stopping, into the toilet bowl of your soul. Can't fill up that hole. Ever flushing feloniously, ever beginning the spinning, never ending. The chaos of living as a lemming is blinding. You never finding what you need, so we'll tell you. With coerce words, by fucko. There we go. 
I, I, I remember that now, and um, I remember how I was very flattered uh, by that piece. I was very flattered by all those products you named and 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 the uh, and the poetry at the end there. I was I liked that a lot. So I'm glad you brought it back. I'm glad you brought it back. Well, a lot of people don't know that not only do we feature Larco products on our show, but over the years, you have been, this has been kind of a secret, but I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Mm -hmm. You've been a writer for for Larco Marketing, Mm -hmm. and you've even created, at least you're an idea man for them sometimes. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And and so, yes, the, the, now fucko, (laughs) (laughs) the, the take, every one of those products was inspired by a Larco product, yep. and, and that's that's why I wanted to ask a couple questions because sure. many of those those products mm-hmm. are products that you at least you conceptualized them. Yeah. It's not that you manufactured them; you didn't figure out the design or anything. No, but, no. Um, so I wanted to to pick out a couple of Fucko products sure. and, and have you describe the original Larco product. Okay, if that's not too tedious a task, I, I, I'll try. Yeah. Okay, so one of them was an an adult children's songbook, I think, yeah. called uh, "Focky Schlong Ream Time." Right, and that was based on uh, what? What was that based? Was it on? "Lucky Song Dream Time"? "Lucky Song Dream Time." That's right. I think yeah, it was, it was LSD time was the inspiration for that. And <laughs> "Lucky Song Dream Time," and it was a TV show for kids, and it featured. An incredibly ugly, scary uh, man armchair, armchair man, a man who was an armchair. They really uh, creepily wanted little kids to come sit on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. There was the um, Godproof upside down cross. Right. Um, and and that was based on a lar- very interesting Larco product. Do you remember? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a, a Satan-proof cross. That never yeah, turns over. Proof cross, right? Never turns over. Like if Satan's in your house, turning your crucifix is over. This one won't won't play that game with homie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Satan does that. He just turns crosses upside bottom, down yeah. to freak everybody out. Yeah. But if you have a bunch of Larco crosses on your walls, they won't turn upside down. Right. Perfect. They're, they're Satan proof. Yeah. Uh, there was Fucko had a a sack of tape recorders. Yes. Yep. And that was a that was from one of our first shows we did. Yeah. We did a product. T- tell us about that one. Yeah, that was a sack of microphones so that if at any moment during the day you needed to drop a mic, you would have a mic there to drop. And you don't have to bend over yeah. and pick it up again. You, they're disposable. You just have a whole sack of them. Yeah, just leave it there. Yeah, just leave it there. a fucking huge bag of microphones so you can yeah. drop mics all day long. Yeah. <laughs> fucking great product. <laughs> um let me see here. Uh, did, did any of them stand out for you? I, I wanted to, to explain them. When you hear all those fucko uh, products, it, it's fun to hear the their counterparts yeah. in Larco land. Um, uh, I, you mentioned I Fart, and I can't remember what that was inspired by. I think I remember that. Larco had a product called iSmart. Yes. And can you tell us about that? Does no, that ring I still a bell? don't remember. I remember iSmart, though. iSmart. I believe it was just uh, programs that you can download onto any object anywhere (laughs) at any time. Uh, iSmart. Is that what it was? was? uh, I don't know. I'll look it up while you're... Yeah. um, Because I save all this shit because, you know... 
but I, I smart. I do remember there was one, it was about an app that doesn't do anything at all. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that, is that maybe it? Maybe that's what it was, yeah. I, I smart? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, let's see, JBC, Larco ads. I'll figure this one out. Now you've piqued my interest. You've created Well, a- and I've, I did, we heard a fucko product there called um, Air Retardioke, where yep. you lip sync to instrumental songs. Do you remember the Larco product for that? Um, I think it was Guitar Yoki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Air Guitar Yoki. Air Guitar Yoki. You just play air, air guitar. Yeah. Um, karaoke style, which is it's just a great product. Yeah. And a I lot did- of Larco products are just flat out practical, like a, like a black bag of microphones. Yeah. Duh. Practical. Yeah. And iSmart, I remember now, it is... It was uh, Wi-Fi enabled works with your email. It can even link to your social networks. And I went on and on about fingerprint scan and VPN and um, all the things that can be downloaded onto, onto. And it doesn't do a fucking download thing. it onto your fucking shoelaces. Yeah, I remember that line. Yeah, and you, yeah, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do anything. The last line right. was apps do everything. What what if you need an app that does nothing? iSmart. Yeah, iSmart. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. Again, practical. Yeah, that's that's what Arco's all about. Um, I was trying, I wanted to had questions about if you could remember some of these other products. Um, there was, okay. So we had iFart, mm-hmm. we had, uh, air retardioke. Yep. Um, do you remember what the, the Larco counterpart to the electro cock juggling schlongs? Yeah, it was, uh, electric juggling balls. Um, that was episode 16. Um, oh yeah, it was, um, you want to learn how to juggle, and what they do is they uh, they shock you when you fuck up. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Practical again. Yeah. Teach you how to teach you how to juggle. Yeah. By shocking you, by causing you physical pain. Yes. Anyway, thank you for doing that. Thank uh, you. A little exercise. Appreciate that. So, um, let's see how much time we got left because I wanted to broach a, a thing. Broach a thing. I'm gonna broach. I'm gonna broach a thing. So you obscenitize songs. I decided, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to besmirch some poems. Sweet. Yeah. So um, what I did was I went and found some some famous good poems, and I just rewrote them to be really crass. Um, okay, great. So uh, one of the first ones was I, I ripped off uh, Louise Gluck's uh, poem she wrote called Mock Orange, and I think she just won... Like the Nobel Prize of Poetry or the Pulitzer Poetry Prize, she won some big ass prize. Like that's it, and and the poem "Mock Orange." I, okay, so I say ninety nine percent of poems I don't get. This one is in the one percent because I was like, "Damn, that's that's something else." Um, so I rewrote oh, okay. it. Okay, and I don't know if this is as, as effective if, as is is as effective if you haven't heard the original. But let's not have you hear the original because I don't want you to evaluate how well. I besmirched it. I'd rather you take it on its own. Okay. Okay. I'm definitely going to go and read the original. Yeah, yeah. But uh, th- this is good. Okay, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. It's called it's called Untidy Whiteys. <laughs> okay. His shiny ass? No. It is discarded undies evoking fuck want. Fuck them. Fuck them up the ass they drip from. Beer breath stealing mine like an infanticidal cat. His gasp, redolent of his ass, a trumpet that disgusts down my Jericho hopefulness. My dried-up brain wants to wander, but wonders why reluctance entices. Resistance trains desire, toughens want, 
and then want is for want's sake. And me too, my WAP is for solitude, isolation from undies. How can I consider future mindfulness when I'm mired in this landscape of shitty cotton? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I felt right. I, and I, I enjoyed that. And if, if, if people right now are going, you know, no one listened to the show, but if they did, they were like, oh, God, this is evil. I'm going to kill him. I'm like, wow, yeah. What have you done? Yeah, kill me. I yeah. mean, yes, if that's good. So uh, I'm going to read you maybe two more. One of them's really stupid. So okay. you, I read that Williams Carlos Williams poem, right, about the red wheelbarrow. Yes. Okay, so here's my besmirched version. It's called <laughs> Shit Holler. The goddamn crux is that red shit holler, wet, fucking clouds like the fucking cluckers next to it. <laughs> I like yours better. Thanks. All right. Um, here's a quick interlude. Now, these are bad poems, but I, they're not really besperchments as much as they're... Um, I've sort of... Uh, I try to gild... I, I'm gilding... What's it called? Gilding pieces of crap. So you've heard... Um, here I sit, brokenhearted, tried to ship, but only farted, right? Yeah. You're, sh you're shining turds. Yeah, I'm shining turds. So here's my rewriting of that. Mired here in despondence, attempted defecation, accomplished flatulence. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> yeah, so fancy. Um, and I actually posted that on our, uh, the JBC Twitter today. Um, okay. And ah, okay. That has been tweeted. Yeah. So here's here's another one. You've heard of uh, There Once Was a Man from Nantucket, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my rewrite of that. Ere now yon human from sea coastal state, his appendage magnificently with mouth he could sate. Spake he with smile mighty as he towed off some whitey. I would, were my ear vaginal, copulate. I want you to know uh -huh. that... We will hear Willie McSillyputty do that poem, okay, that I'll, limerick. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll send it to you then. Because um, that is wonderful. Yes. I, I, the, the, the other one I was going to read... Um, maybe I'll just <laughs> By the way, yeah. you started the original, and I want you to hear what popped into my head. Okay. Because you said, you, you know, uh, there once was a man from Nantucket, and, and I said, <laughs> in my mind, I said... Whose dick was so long it was burdensome. <laughs> That's pretty good. You should write Super that poem. This <laughs> is the worst rhyme, worst attempt at a rhyme ever. It's good. All right. Okay, there's one other here. Did you say you have one more? Right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to decide. So, um, Rainer Rilke, whose name I'm probably pronouncing, very famous poet, um, and uh, people think he's just the bee's knees. And I read some of his stuff. And I was like, okay, I see that he's got some. He's got a way with words. But he wrote um, uh, a poem called Pieta. Pieta. You know? Uh, do you, Joe? You know what Pieta references? That word, what it means? Pieta. No. It's the word for uh, statues or paintings or any artistic rendition of um, Mary holding the dead Christ in her lap. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. It's her son and he's died and it's beautiful and it's horrifying and you understand the absolute anguish she must be going through. And also, 
you know, the fact that she has been chosen to have created this, all that stuff, right? It's supposed to be captured. Michelangelo's version of it is is probably one of the most exquisite pieces of art you'll ever see. The, the way the man could pull emotion out of cold stone was just amazing. But anyway. Um, and what, what language is that? Pieta? Pieta. I think it's Italian. It probably means like, okay. I don't know, sorrow or loss or tide. Okay. <clears throat> Um, so he wrote one and so I decided, oh, I'm going to besmirch it. Right. And you know what? I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it fast. And again, you don't know, you haven't heard the original, but Mm -hmm. trust me when I say he, he showed a great deal of respect for the subject. Okay. And it's very moving. Um, so I rewrote it. It's not called Pieta. It's called Pieta Broad. Okay. Also, it's very respectful to the subject. I'm I'm guessing. Well, see, okay. Anyway, I'm going to read it. Here we go. Go Jesus fucking Christ, look at your feet. I just washed them, me, with my hair. And then you go and get yourself crucified. My hair stinks of feet. There's blood everywhere. And for what? For sins? That's why you died? Your arms scarred up. Bad aim with that whip. I'd have seen him sooner if you'd visited. Hugged. A couple of virgins, though, you and me. What a trip. To get fucked like this on that cross that you lugged. You got your goddamn hands all busted up, broken. Good thing you're dead. You'll never get work now. For all of mankind, yep, I guess God's spoken and none for me. Your mom makes me say, wow. You look like you're sleeping. I can't kiss you awake. So let's go find a cave and have us awake. Jesus fucking Christ. Why are we born just to die? It's fucking weird, ain't it? To shine, just to fry. <laughs> that's so shitty it's the thing is is that I'm, I'm writing this piece of crap i'm writing this piece of crap and i'm getting into it like by the last stanza i'm, I'm like this whole thing about how we are born just i can to die. feel it in your delivery yeah that's not in the original the whole theme of we're born just to die to shine just to fright i, I was like oh man that's so you had to get that out yeah, this is becoming cathartic by the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's it's still crap, and it's first draft, right? Somebody's gonna. I mean, if I were to ever send this to a, a you know publication, they'd send it back and say, <laughs> no. <laughs> and they oh, say man. just like that. I love it. Uh, well, God thank you, damn, thank you for letting me um, read that. Uh, we have a minute and a half left, so I don't know if we did anything any justice to poetry at all here. I think we just, you know, fucked it well, like we, we fucked did, everything. We, yeah, we said a lot of words. Yeah, we did. And uh, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, I, one of the things I brought to the show today were some uh, some words that I've made up yes. recently. Did you put them in poems? No, I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't put them in poems. Well, but uh, actually, okay. I feel like you're a good poet. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe you could... Uh, th- there's two words here. Okay. And then there, there's some other kind of, I don't know, less entertaining ones I'll throw in maybe at All the right, end. I'll, I'll write but, them uh, Two related words okay. that I've created, and maybe you could write a poem about it okay. and uh, share it with us. I think Shags is coming back on uh, pretty soon, and I'd like for her to hear that poem okay. with these words. Okay. Um, so I, I believe, actually, I coined these words to myself today and almost mm-hmm. ran off the road uh, laughing while yes. I was driving. <laughs> I hope that you find them funny, but okay. uh, that's a lot of hype. The first word is ejaculate. Okay. 
Okay. Ejoculate. And, yes, and what ejoculation is is when you you come to accentuate a joke. Remember when? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, even better if you come at the person. <laughs> yeah. That you've Whoa, told. that is loud. <laughs> Sorry, listener. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of like remember when Andrew Dice Clay used to just be like, oh, like yeah. that, yeah, or like, um, uh, who used to say, hey, oh, it was uh, a Johnny Carson sidekick, whatever the hell his name was, hey, oh, yeah, these are two to accentuate jokes. I just What's think it would name? really be great if you accentuated Edmund a punch of a joke with actual with ejaculate. And and, and I, you should probably scream "hail" at the same time. I, um, right? Not to be pedantic, uh, I don't know if that's right. Um, is the ejaculate um, ejaculating a joke about ejaculation, or is it just any joke? No, no, no. It's any joke. So you it, can and say it's supposed to. It, it, even if it's a really terrible joke, then it might be a better joke if you ejaculate. Okay, so so if 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 you were the kind of person who were like. Um, uh, you know, a skeleton walks into a bar. He says, "Give me a beer and a mop." Oh! Instead, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I did this. Um, well, do you remember the Sexamy Street characters? Yes. yes. Um, like Count Jaculate. Yep. Uh, well, he he was counting, and then he laughs at the end. I realized he's he's ejaculating. Yes, that's right. That oh no, sense. wait, he's not. He's ejaculating. Oh, is that the other word? Yeah, that's the other word where you ejaculate, and that is that's you you come while you laugh. Right. And that, now that's now that's not to say that you're laughing so hard that you come. Right. You just you just come while you laugh. They may or may not be even okay. related right. activities. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm imagining someone trying to ejaculate, right? And it's like he's working it until he gets up to the moment. He's like a skeleton walks into a bar. <sighs> his he asks for a beer. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. And then it's he, funny because yeah. I come up with a joculate. I cracked myself up, but then I couldn't come up with a one goddamn joke to, you know, to use ejaculate to. <laughs> I think it was like, well, there was one that you told me a while back. Maybe this is a good one where it's, uh, you know, this this shit is bananas, said the monkey cage janitor. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but that's a good one. I like that. Um, I think we're going to name Jackson tonight. Michael Jackson walks into a bar. Michael Jackson walks into a bar um, when he was alive. And uh, <laughs> the bartender says, hey, we have a drink named after you. And he says, you have a drink named Filthy Child Molester? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell! Hell! Oh! oh. Ejoculate and ejaculate. I uh, I like it, that. It would be really good if you ejaculate and then the person who heard the joke ejaculates back at you, and then yeah. everybody's all wet. Yep, I like that. Um, I will write a poem using these words. Um, somehow, I don't know. And I'm gonna call today's show "Ejaculate." That'll be fun to come up with an Im image for. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. So poetry. I think we've killed this topic uh yeah yeah i would encourage our listener to um, write some poetry of your own uh, go on uh, instagram go on twitter 
and like us and rate us with a poem. Give us five stars, you know. Say something on the lines of, JBC is so great, I listen it to when I master. Shut your mouth. You know, something like that. Just have fun with it. Write yourself a poem. It doesn't have to be about us. Uh, write a poem about... Um, write a poem about that time you stepped on a Lego and it hurt real bad, but it didn't hurt as bad as everyone made it out to be and you for a second felt like you were superior to others because you were like I can sort of take this but then the pain got worse you're like I'm an idiot now I understand but then the pain sort of faded as you got used to it and you're like wait a minute I'm 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 awesome and then you started to bleed you're like no god I am so hubris god and just back and forth with the Lego (laughs) write a poem about that write a poem about what you were feeling as you were you know going through that process um, Assestina. Hey, Jason. Yeah. Jason, I, I I was telling myself earlier today, I need to remember when something funny comes up in the middle of the show so then I can scream it at the end. Yep. And there was something about melons, lemons, balls, and something else. Yeah. What was it? Melons and lemons and boobs and balls. Okay. That's very good. Um, I'm going to scream that in just a moment. But first, I would like to finish this poem, if you don't mind. Yeah. Here we go. Words, power, trance. Actually, how about this? Words, power, trance. This stable friend and the beast of his zoo, wild-haired chicks... Women flowering in their summit, monsters of skin. Each color connects to create the boat, which rocks the race. Could any hell be more horrible than now and real? I pressed her thigh and death smiled. Death, old friend, death and my cock are the world. Now that'll be enough of Jim Morrison. Melons, lemons, balls and boobs! I hit the wrong button. <laughs>